are back. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Galatians, book of Galatians, and we're in chapter 4 tonight, Galatians chapter 4, in a series that we've titled Off the Leash, and we're talking about the freedom that is found in Christ, that we live in a world that is very quick and, and easy to put you into a category, into a box, and ultimately into some type of bondage, whether it's saying you are, you are interested in these things, therefore you are this person. And because you are like this, this is what makes you you. And, and there's, it's very simplistic and it's very um, stereotypical, if you will. And, and what the Bible does and what the calling of God does is it makes us free in Christ. In other words, we are free to be the people that God created us to be. And we don't have to live bound to sin. We don't have to live bound to the law or, or religion or regulation. We don't have to live bound to society's pressures or ideals or ideas that are pushed on us so often that we can actually live free in Christ. In the last few weeks, the Apostle Paul, the author of this letter, has been laying out sort of the pros and cons, if you will, of trying to please God through the law or trying to please him through grace. That's the big idea of this book. Can you please God through the law, or can you please God through grace? The law says you have to work, you have to earn, you have to deserve. That in order to, to get God's favor or approval or blessing, it is up to you to get his attention. It's all about law. It's all about what I do, what I do, what I do. And then what Paul says is actually it's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done. And that we can experience freedom in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's not about me trying to earn God's favor. It's about me through faith receiving God's favor and then walking in a position and in a posture of the favor of God. And so the Apostle Paul wants us to understand that you can live free in Christ. He wants us to move away from the law and into grace. And tonight, Paul is going to give a clear distinction between law and grace from an Old Testament story. So we're going to kind of, for a little bit, go back, do a little bit of a history lesson. Then we're going to kind of break it down and apply it to our life. Sound good? A little bit of history, just to, guys, get your mind ready a little bit before we start school. I just like history a little bit. I know it's good. Anybody history their favorite class? Anybody history? Anybody history? Cool. History was my favorite class. You're like, that's why you're a Bible teacher. I know. Um, math, nope. Science, no way. Economics, forget about it. History and English, I'm cool with that. All right, so if you're like me, awesome. If not, I still love you, and um, it's still cool. All right, I titled this message, if you want to write this down, Out of Hand. Out of Hand is the title of tonight's message. Um, Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. I'm going to read about 10 verses, and then we'll break it down. He says, tell me, tell me, I got a question for you. Remember, Paul is pretty intense and sarcastic in this letter. Paul's like, are you guys really that foolish? That's one of the things he asked them. Then he just says, at one point, he's like, oh, you foolish Galatians. Like, he doesn't even ask them anymore. He's like, you are foolish. Like, that is a fact. And so he's, he, he's, he's kind of sarcastic. He said, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, in other words, you are trying to please God through your own works. He says, do you not even listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. 
Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. He says, these women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at the time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Okay, does anybody have a massive question mark at the end of that portion of Scripture? You're like, what are we talking about? Like, Paul, this letter is hilarious because Paul sort of gets um, frustrated and he gets caught up in things and he... he He doesn't side trail because everything is inspired by God and is supposed to be there. But he kind of gets, he gets going a little bit. And he's got a point he's trying to make. Basically what he is saying is that grace is better than the law. And God wants us to know him through grace. And then he illustrates this, or he creates what he says. I like that word. Um, He says, let's take this allegorically. So he's like, let's take this story, and let's make it mean something for what we're talking about here and now. Now, let's talk about this story for just a moment. This story is found in the book of Genesis, and we have a character named Abraham. Now, I wish Shane was preaching this message because he would definitely have a PowerPoint for this. I do not have a PowerPoint for this. So you're just going to have to follow me. Picture Abraham Lincoln, though, when I'm talking about Abraham. Paul is is contrasting the law and the grace of God. And he said, basically what he is trying to get us to understand is that are you doing things your way or are you doing things God's way? That's the point, okay? So he brings up this idea. He says, are you doing things your way or are you doing things God's way? And then he illustrates this. Now, Abraham had a promise from God that he was going to be the father of a nation. That from his descendants, God, the, the exact promise was you will have more kids than there are stars in the sky. You, you're going to have, not at one time, but your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. You will have millions of descendants and it will become a nation. Does anybody know what the problem with Abraham was at the time? Anybody? He didn't have any kids and he was really old. Okay, so God's like, okay, Abe, listen to me. You are going to be the father of a nation. And Abraham's like, that's great. Um, One problem. I don't have any kids. Right? Like, that's kind of a problem. And I'm really, really old. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that his wife, Sarah, was well past the age of childbearing. That's like a really nice way of saying she was really, really old. And then about Abraham, they're not as nice. It says he was as good as dead. They were like, they're like, oh, let's be nice and sensitive for the ladies. The guy, he, might, he was basically dirt. He's as good as dead. So God shows up and he says, hey, you're going to have so many kids, you're going to lose count of them. He's like, I'm really old and I've got zero kids. This was a promise from God. Now, 
what happens is they begin to sense a little bit the reality that they're getting old, they don't have any kids, and God made this promise. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, comes to Abraham and says, hey, remember God's promise? You're supposed to have a bunch of kids. Well, we're not having any kids. It's not working out for us. She's like, so I had an idea. I thought you could take my maid, Hagar, and maybe have a kid with her, and then that will be the fulfillment of the promise from God. And Abraham is, I guess, a knucklehead or stupid or something, and he's like, okay. It's like, that sounds like a, an idea, I guess. So he has a child with the maid, Hagar, and they have a child named Ishmael. Everyone say Ishmael. Now, Ishmael is not as famous as the other child. Some of you are like, Ishmael, I've never heard that name before. Well, there you go. There's Ishmael. Um, so they have this child named Ishmael. But listen, that child was not the child of promise. Okay, God made it abundantly clear that he was going to have a child through his marriage, through his relationship, the way God intended it to be. God had this plan in action, and then Abraham and Sarah decided to take matters into their own hands, and they have the child Ishmael. Now, the amazing thing about the grace of God is that Abraham isn't cut off right then and there. You would think that after a failure like that, God would be done with them. But you know what, um, Abe, you had your shot. <laughs> I chose you to be the father of the nation, but you're kind of messed up. Your wife is a little crazy. Um, so I think we're going to take this whole nation in a different direction. No, that's not how the grace of God works. God had favor on Abraham. He had blessing on Abraham. And it wasn't going to stop just because of a failure. And let me just pause for a moment. This isn't even part of my message. The grace of God does not stop just because of a failure. If you've messed up or you failed or you've gone too far or you've done something you shouldn't have done, it's not like God is wiping his hands and saying, okay, I'm done with you. I'll find somebody else. God still has a call in your life. God still has a plan for your life. He's not done yet. He still wants to work in your life and through your life. So, so God shows up again and this time does a miracle and Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they have a son together. Even though she's well past the age of childbearing and he is as good as dead, they still have a child. This child's name is Isaac. Many of us probably have heard the name Isaac in the Bible. He's a little bit more famous than Ishmael. Now, Paul brings up this story. And again, he is using this story to prove a point. And he explains all of this really for one primary reason so that we can see the problem when we take things into our own hands that's what Paul's trying to say he says if you want to follow God through working of the law let me show you the problem whenever you try to do things in your own strength or try to accomplish something by your own hand he's like remember Abraham the, the, the father of the nation the father of faith remember what happened when he took things into his own hands it didn't turn out good. Grace allows us to trust in what God is doing. So I want us to real quickly show us a couple of problems when we take things into our own hands. Problem number one, or point number one, is that there is a difference between God's will and God's timing. There is a difference between God's will and God's timing. This is something we all need to understand because we talk an awful lot about the will of God. 
This is a question especially young people think about and consider. What is God's will for my life? Maybe you haven't thought those words exactly, but another sort of thought like that is, why am I here? What is the point? Where is all of this going? Why do I have to go to school and then go to college and get a job? Like, what is the point? In other words, what is God's will for my life? It's a question we ask quite often. But you need to understand something, that there's a difference between God's will and God's timing. Because sometimes you can get the right thing at the wrong time, and it becomes the wrong thing. That just because, okay, this is, this is a part of the call of God, but the timing is wrong. And the reason the timing is wrong is because we forced God's hand in our life. And as a result, we are not experiencing the blessing of the promise of God because we've taken things into our own hands. That's what Abraham does. God's got a promise. He's got a call. He's got a will. Hey, you're going to be the father of the nation. Awesome. Okay, I'll do it. Huh. I'll take it from here. And rather than trusting in God's timing, because ultimately God does exactly what he said he was going to do, because let me tell you something, God always does exactly what he said he's going to do. That's how he works. He's God. The Bible says it's impossible for him to lie. So if he says it, he meant it, and he's going to do it. And so when he says, uh, 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 I'm going to take things into my own hands, he's saying that I will trust my own strength rather than God's strength. And far too often, we are out of sync with what God is doing. We're out of sync because we're trying to force the hand of God. We're saying, God, you've, you've called me to this, or God, you've given me this, or, or you've pointed me in this direction. And rather than waiting on God and trusting in God and being patient, we rush it. Let me just say one thing. The power of waiting on God and the power of patience when it comes to God. God is doing something in your life. Right now, God's doing something. Whether you know it or not, God is doing something in your life. What you have to learn to do is to trust God and wait on God. And saying, okay, God, what are you doing right in this moment? And how can I seek you here and now? For Abraham, he's going, oh, it's never going to work out. It's never going to happen. It's never, uh, never going to fulfill the promise. And so he rushed it. Problems came. There's a difference between God's will and God's timing. Number two, when we help God, all we do is hurt everyone. When we help God, all we do is hurt everyone. What I mean by that is when we decide that God is getting things started, but we're going to be the ones that see it through to the end, all we do is hurt everyone. Abraham and Sarah thought that they could help God out, right? They thought that God had the idea like, Abraham, you're going to be the father of a nation. That's not my idea. And then they were thinking, okay, God, that's your idea. We'll figure out how to get it done. But the reality was is God had the idea, and he was going to accomplish it in their life. But they decided they were going to do it themselves. And when they did, it only created more problems and hurt everyone involved. Hagar was taken advantage of and ultimately fired from her job. Sarah felt like a failure for still not being able to have kids, so she resented her husband and she resented Hagar. Abraham created a mess that he couldn't clean up. And it is easy for us to attempt to help God out. Sometimes we do that by speaking to people on behalf of God when God wants to speak to them directly. 
Sometimes we're like, I've actually seen this play out firsthand recently where God has been speaking to somebody as an individual. And they were not walking with God and God dramatically and drastically grabbed a hold of their life. And all of a sudden, they began to realize because God was speaking to them things in their life that needed to change. And then what happened is somebody came along and decided to play God for them and say like, hey, you need to do this and you need to change that and you need to stop doing this. And although what they were saying was true, what they needed to realize is God was actually speaking that very same thing to that individual. And if you actually just waited, they would have got there on their own. And what happened is, is, is they created resentment. They're frustrated. They're like, wait a second, I don't have to, or why do I? And because of this, rather than allowing God to speak directly to them, somebody tried to help God out, and it actually hurt the process altogether. And so sometimes we think we're helping God out. We're like, oh, oh God, I'll talk to them for you. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. Oh, you see that? I see it too. I'll take care of that. Rather than going, do you know what? I see it too. God, I'm going to pray about that for them, and I'm going to trust that you're going to speak to them about it. Sometimes that is the right response. Other ways we, we, we do this is by taking matters into our own hands rather than waiting on God, saying, I'm going to do this. And usually when we do that, it leads to disappointment and regret. When you say, okay, okay God, I'm going to help you out. Listen, doing things God's way is always better because we can only see what we're experiencing in this moment, right? Because even the past kind of gets fuzzy. You know what I mean? So we can't even make a decision about our future based upon our past because our past is often fuzzy. You know how you can misremember things? Like you're telling a story and your friend's like, that's actually not how it happened. And you're like, no, that's how it happened. And they're like, bro, like we, I was there. That is, you're misremembering it. That's not what happened. So even, our, even the things that we actually experienced, we get confused by, right? Like I was there and I don't remember what happened. And then the future is completely unknown, right? We have no idea. Like the plan is school starts on Monday, but who knows, really, especially in 2020, who knows? <laughs> and so the future is unknown. Our past is fuzzy and confusing. So how in the world can we make good decisions? And yet God, who stands outside of time, who sees the end from the beginning, is actually speaking over your life and directing your life. And so rather than taking matters into your own hand when you're confused about the past and unclear about the future, why not trust God who is outside of time and knows all? And when we attempt to help God, all we do is hurt everyone. Listen, God doesn't need your help accomplishing his will for your life. He needs your faith. God doesn't need you to work out the details. He needs you to trust in him. He doesn't need you to to sit down and puzzle piece your life together and map it out and say, at this point, I'm gonna go here and do this. And then after four years, I'll meet this person and then we'll get married and then we'll have a five-year plan and then we'll have kids and then we'll send them to school. And God, God doesn't need you to do that. He needs you to trust in him. He needs you to have faith in whatever is in front of you. All right, last point. You guys still with me? All right. The decisions we make impact others. The problem with taking things into our own hands is that the decisions we make impact others. The promise, again, to Abraham was that he would be the father of a nation. 
the people of Israel, ultimately, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come from his descendants. That was the promise. He says, you will have, you will have descendants, and your descendants will be a blessing to all nations. That was specifically referencing the Messiah, Jesus, who would be the Savior of the world. When Abraham had Ishmael, God, because of his grace, sort of still held up his end of the bargain with the descendants of, of Abraham. And Ishmael also became a great nation. So when you follow the history, it's not the children of Israel, it's the children of Ishmael, and they became a great nation that still exists in our world today. And listen, much of the mist, or excuse me, much of the unrest in the Middle East today comes from these two families, Ishmael and Isaac. So like we talk about all like, because right now uh, Israel is always being threatened by all of the nations surrounding it like Syria and all these other places, you always hear about things going on in the Middle East. What this all stems from is this mistake right here. That when, when because God kept up his, his end of the bargain, Ishmael was born and God blessed him and even he became a nation. So the accident even had a blessing from God. It's crazy. But then Israel, which was the, the, the child of promise, became a nation, but the unrest that we experience in our world today, like you could turn on the news almost any day of the week and find out about what's going on in Israel and the other nations surrounding the Middle East. It all stems back to Abraham's decision right here. Let me tell you that your decisions, they affect not only you, but others, and not only others in here and now, they affect generations to come. And when you're in high school or middle school, we don't often think about the generations that are going to come after us. Listen, the decisions you make today ultimately impact others that will come after you. It's been said that the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, is always one generation away from extinction. The message, the Bible, the, the, the thing that we hold on to, the thing that we carry, the, the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ is always one generation from extinction. What do I mean by that? Well, as soon as a generation decides that they don't need it anymore, or as soon as a, a, a group of young people decide that they don't want to embrace their calling anymore, and as soon as they want to reject the voice of God and the reality of God and the heart of God, it can very quickly and very easily become a thing of the past. The reason we have the gospel today is because people look down the line. People thought about the generations that came after them, and they realized it matters for me to stand up today. It matters for me to make a difference today. It matters for me to walk in the calling of God today, because not only is it going to impact me, but it's going to impact generations to come. And so when we decide that we're going to follow Jesus, we're not just looking at the calling that God has placed on your life, which we are, but we're also looking at the calling that God's placed on your children's life and their children's life and the generations to come here and after and to come and to continue to come. And so when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you need to understand that it carries weight for generations to come. And when you make a decision to reject Jesus, it carries weight for generations to come. So you, the decisions we make, they impact, they impact your circle of friends, right? Like, you know, like if you badmouth somebody, it, it impacts your circle of friends. 
Like when, when, when you behave a certain way, it impacts your circle of friends, but it impacts farther down the line. And the decisions we make impact others. And so what you do today with the message of Jesus impacts the people that will come after you. Now, the whole point of all of this, and worship team, you guys can come up here. I am closing almost, I promise. The whole point of this portion is for us to trust what God is doing. We don't need to take matters into our own hands. We need to learn to trust in Jesus, and that's what the gospel is about. The law makes us work and earn and attempt to deserve. Grace gives us God's good unearned. Grace, the grace of God, gives us God's good unearned, meaning we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, we couldn't buy it, we couldn't figure it out. We simply receive it, because of what Jesus has done. We trust and we enjoy what God gives us. Now here's the big question for the night. You ready for it? If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. All right. Are you allowing God to be God or are you trying to do his job? Are you allowing God to be God or are you trying to do his job? Um, Last year, we went to Ghana in West Africa like we do pretty much every year other than this year because of, you know, what's going on. Um, but uh, so we, we go to Ghana, and um, there's a guy there. His name is Brother Bob. Now, Brother Bob is a guy. I think he's from Melbourne, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. It's a kind of weird situation. But um, we just met him there. He's a pilot for Delta. It's Brother Bob, and he's connected with um, a guy named Oscar in an area called Senegal, which is another country in West Africa. And Brother Bob is awesome. The reason we call him Brother Bob is because Oscar from Senegal calls him Brother Bob, and it's just the coolest thing. Anyway, so Brother Bob is a pilot, and one time, this is, I don't know if this is better for the story or not, I don't know, but he was coming to meet us in Ghana one year, and he couldn't fly there because his plane actually didn't crash, but one of the tires blew up and caught on fire, and it was like on the news, and so he was unable to meet us in Ghana because his plane like exploded. Um, That's besides the point. Anyway, so we're in Ghana, and we're leaving, and we we flew Delta there, and the crazy thing is Brother Bob was actually going to be our pilot on the way back. Um, and we're like, that's so crazy. Like, we're here in Africa together, and you're flying us home. Like, this is kind of cool. Um, so when we got on the plane, Brother Bob invited me to check out the cockpit. Um, this is the photo. You guys want to see it? This is me. Is it up here? Yeah. Look at me and Brother Bob. <laughs> me and Brother. Doesn't he just look like Brother Bob? Like, come on. That is, he is like a pilot if I've ever seen one, and he is Brother Bob if I've ever seen one. Anyway, so um, you can leave it up there because I like it. Um, so, so Brother Bob invited me to sit in the cockpit and wear his hat. Like, am I seven years old? <laughs> like, I'm a grown man. I'm like almost 30. He's like, yeah, you can sit in the cockpit. You want to wear my hat? And I'm like, yeah, please. I'm like, do I get one of those like little like angel wing things, please? And he's like, we don't have those. I'm like, okay. Um, that's all right. I'll live. Anyway, so Brother Bob invited me to sit in the cockpit and uh, check out the, the plane. One of the things, and there's a bunch of pilots in the room, um, so you guys know about this, but there are a lot of buttons in that airplane. Isn't that kind of crazy? Like, there, 
When I picture like an airplane, I picture like a steering wheel, like a little gas. Like maybe, maybe the difference between like a car and an airplane is rather than just going this way, it like goes back and forth too, like up, down. Like that seems pretty simple. And I sat in there, I was like, that is a lot of buttons. Um, now I got to sit in the plane and I got to see like all the buttons and Brother Bob and the other guy, the other the uh, co-pilot was there, and they're all surfers, so we talked about surfing, and it was a great time. Um, but after this photo was taken, they told me to leave. They're like, hey, we got a job to do. Um, you can look inside the cockpit, but you're not staying up here. Like, go take your seat on the plane, and we'll see you when we land. Now, if they would have said to me, hey, um, Nate, Brother Bob's not feeling so great. Will you fly the plane home? I'd be like, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm qualified for that. Like, I'm, I'll take the photo with the hat on, but you deserve the hat, and you're flying the plane, right? You following me? I'm not flying the plane home. I think sometimes, sometimes when it comes to the call of God is he gives us a glimpse as to where he's going. Like, he takes us inside the cockpit. He's like, hey, I've got a calling on your life. Hey, I've got a plan for your life. This is the direction that we're headed this is, this, you, there's favor, there's goodness, there's, there's plans, there's prosperity, there's purpose, there's all of these things, and God gives us a glimpse. And sometimes when you, sometimes it's in worship, sometimes it's, it's when you're reading your Bible, sometimes it's in a message, sometimes it's in a friend speaking life over you or a youth leader saying something about you, and, and God will give you a glimpse of the call that he has on your life. But here's the reality of it. He's gonna be the one that pilots you, and he's gonna be the one that gets you there. God gives you a glimpse of what he's doing in your life, but he is not giving you that glimpse so you can push Pilot Bob aside and say, I'll take it from here. God gives us a glimpse so it triggers faith in us so that we can trust in him and we can say, God, you are in control. You're leading the direction. I'm going to go take my seat and I'm going to trust that you're going to get me where I'm supposed to go. And far too often... Far too often, we make it our own decision or we decide that, do you know what, God? I see, I see it. I see all the buttons. I figured out how I saw it. I watched you for a second, God. I got it now. I'll take it from here. And the law makes you think, I'll take it from here. God, you got me started. I'll get it the rest of the way. Grace says, I cannot do it. I can't earn it. And so I'm going to keep depending upon you. Listen, are you allowing God to do his job in your life? Are you allowing him to work the things in your life and out of your life and through your life that he wants to do? Or are you putting on the captain's hat and saying, I've got it from here, God? Why don't we, unlike Abraham and Hagar and Sarah, why don't we trust in the timing of God and the will of God and the direction of God and the favor of God? And allow him to work all things, because he promises to do so, all things together for good. And I don't know where you're at tonight, and I don't know if this applies to you at all. Um, but let me just challenge you, trust God. Just trust in him. What does that mean? Well, that means I'm going to wake up every single day. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to go in the direction that God has set before me. And I'm going to look for opportunity to walk with him and to work with him. That's what I'm going to do. Wake up. Maybe have the verse of the day. Maybe, maybe say a prayer. Get up and say, God, use me today. I want to walk with you today. When distractions come and temptations come and difficulties come and trials come, we're going to say, do you know what? I'm trusting in you. And maybe for some of you, 
maybe you, you, you sense a call on your life. Maybe it's to something specific. Maybe it's like, maybe you feel like you're called to be, maybe it's a worship leader, maybe it's even a pastor, or, or maybe it's your call, you feel like a call, like I'm supposed to start a business one day. Maybe some of you are like, I'm, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to be a, a politician. Or maybe some of you are like, I don't know why, I feel like I'm supposed to be a police officer, or, or I don't know why I'm gonna be a nurse, or, or I feel like I'm, I'm called to just raise a family. Whatever God has called you to do, the challenge is to trust in him today and not take matters into your own hands. Let God do it. Trust in him.